This is the commercial property show, Australia. Show number 46. There's a lot that goes into the planning and the DA approvals on all facilities that until you get into the nuts and bolts of it, you'd have no real idea. You know, the slope that's on the verge at the front of the building can't be any more than 12%. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who would have guessed? Like, you'd have no idea of that. Hey, commercial property community. Thanks for joining me on the commercial property show today. My name is Andrew Bean. I am your host. And on today's show, Chris DeVoy joins me to talk all about building compliance, specifically how his company is making it easier for investors like you and I to actually figure out if the buildings that we're buying are complying and up to code. But first, if you're struggling to figure out if that industrial investment that you're looking at is being sold at a fair cap rate or the rate per square meter is to market or how many new leases have actually been written in the last month and you just want to understand the supply and demand of a market, then check out CP Data. That's commercialpropertydata.com. The only platform that breaks down commercial property data sector by sector for you, the investor, to make informed decisions that are backed with solid data. That's www.commercialpropertydata.com.au. Check out our free membership today. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. You can find our private group on Facebook by searching Commercial Property Show Community or you can click on the link in the show notes. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. Today's guest is founder and innovator of Contraco. It's Chris DeVoy. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Excellent, buddy. First off, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. I've been a construction manager based in Canberra for the last 30 years. And my background is mainly in full fit out and project management. Went from doing full fit out in hospitals and healthcare to Crown Casino fit out, Star City Casino the museum, and I've done project management all over the world. In the last five years, I've concentrated on mainly commercial space in 
the ACT and high-rise developments. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what was the kind of budget for a Crown Casino fit-out? For the fit-out itself, was probably around $8 bucks, wow. And, yeah, it was some time ago. Great job to work on. We were mainly doing, like, bar stools and lounges and the bars themselves and that type of thing. And then we did bits and pieces throughout all of the rooms and so on. But, yeah, really active site and a lot of pressure, as you can imagine. Yeah. Mate, so you're here today to share the future of building compliance using the brand new technology that you've developed, Contraco. How would they be accessing this data? I could imagine that it's going to be through some kind of portal or platform. We're going to be able to look and see if this building is complying. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So you access it off a platform, a cloud-based platform, and the interested party is provided a unique access key or basically user code on the properties that they're interested in, and they simply log in, and it provides only information applicable to that unit, and they're allowed to be privy to I suppose, at the end of the day. So it controls the information security as well. I'm trying to understand this from a commercial investor's perspective. You said that only some people are privy to it. So do you actually have to be the owner of the property to look at this data to make sure the building is complying? Or can you do it before you actually... Because I think this kind of technology would be useful in a due diligence phase where you may have put your deposit down and you're in the due diligence phase of purchasing the property but not actually owning the property. Yeah, that's correct. We were there to assure the due process has taken place from the start of the build to the end of everything that's engineered has been followed and the guidelines and so forth. All due diligence has taken place. So from the start, if you're going through that process of assessing a building to invest into it. It's basically just making it, giving you the assurance that everything's as it's being sold. And the information, even down to finishes and fixtures and unit entitlements, it's all accessible. And we govern that by just setting up the permissions per user. So we might have certain set of documentation that's available to a purchaser or There's a different set of documents available for the subcontractor actually working on the job site. And that's all managed from the very beginning. Okay, that's quite interesting. Because I can imagine this type of technology would be useful for, say, you know, your big institutions as well, because they're buying obviously huge properties and things like that, that would have lists and lists of uh, compliance issues that need to be met. So, mate, is this only for uh, commercial sector or are you rolling it out to the residential sector as well? No, definitely rolling it out to the residential sector. This problem occurs on every type of building, every form of construction, whether it's civil works or house build. We're interested in really getting out into the utility space like solar farms and mines and things like that. So over time, we will even have carbon emissions and All of those things will be documented throughout construction and accessible by regulators and things like that as well. So can you give me an idea, like a list of things that are listed on this compliance? Like what 
are the general things that a building will need to comply to for the listeners? Sure. During construction, there's a process called ITPs, which is basically every trade, when they reach a certain milestone, have to submit a test plan to prove the work that they've carried out is compliant to the documentation or to the specification. That includes the supply of certain materials and that they're actually certified to be doing the works that they state they are. So we provide the subcontractor with a standard template to submit their ITP on, and then we provide the certifier with permission to jump onto our platform, have a look at that test plan, and then once they've inspected the job site and it's up to scratch and they're happy with it, then they can attach their certification to that specific document. And that happens weekly or nearly daily on these commercial job sites for every trade. Okay, so it sounds like obviously it's pretty complicated and it sounds like that it's also at the moment it's ready for development. How are you going to be tracking the older established buildings? The older established ones are basically what we're looking into more now. Our product has been on the market on construction sites for about three years now and that's new developments and new builds. However, we are looking into how we put existing buildings onto it. We're basically working through the problem of how do we source the information that's in out of archives? And I guess the quality of the information that's kept on a building from 25 years ago is pretty ordinary or doesn't even exist. So it's now up to us to work out a, a way of maybe being able to put 50% of the information in And then we'll have to put a score rating based on that to say, well, look, this information wasn't there. So we can't really assure people that that's been carried out in accordance with the design or the plans. So that will definitely require a score rating system on existing builds. Yeah, because I can imagine this is a fairly big problem sometimes for investors especially like an office building where there's a lot of ins and outs, exits and fire safety and things like that. You're buying a building and you're thinking it's good to go and then you come back, you want to do some kind of change of use or some kind of addition and then council come back at you and throw you this big shopping list of things that are non-complying and it's yeah, it could be a huge expense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you've got to be worked out what isn't adaptable. New buildings now that's quite clear at the start if you want to extend a commercial space what those parameters are are all spelt out and that's what we capture that information in our unit entitlement however as you stated for previous ones it might be a whole fire system that's not up to current standard needs to be remediated and that could be at a huge expense yeah because a couple of years ago i was looking at apartment building And I wanted to change the use, not dramatically, but just basically refurbishing it so it was a higher density as well. I was looking at the fire safety stuff and I was like, it's going to cost me a bomb to do this. I can't even, I couldn't even put a price tag on it, how much it would cost, but I just knew it would be a lot. Yeah, that's right. 100%. And units today, there's a certain requirement for, say, in an apartment complex that you must have a percentage 
that are adaptable or accessible units and they have specific size tolerances in the room so that you know people in wheelchairs and so forth can get easy access that doors can be removed if someone gets stuck in a wet area or in the toilet or whatever so there's all these parameters that are set for the established now for new buildings that haven't been in place previously so it can be a huge issue and just like going back to it when you first started how much has the industry changed from then to now oh it's huge safety compliance and basically compliance obligations to the individual a subcontractor and the builder on a job site is massive now just managing that every week is a huge undertaking and previously you know 15 to 20 years ago it wasn't so demanding but in the i guess housing industry it's still the case it's very loose there's not many hoops to jump through as long as you get the sort of five or six inspections done as per the da you're right but it doesn't include safety obligations it doesn't include all of these other things that are obligations under the contract so like in terms of a compliance uh, kind of way what would be easier to develop a warehouse or a four pack of townhouses i would say a warehouse just basically in the approval area and most of those sort of developments are fit out afterwards so they're a base build so they don't have a lot of things like mezzanine levels and fittings and fixtures and so forth that an apartment development will have and then there's a whole heap of other compliance like how the bins are picked up the fire ratings and all of that sort of thing on the warehouse are nowhere near as arduous as they are on an apartment complex and what about self-storage i'm quite interested in self-storage have you ever had any dealings with doing compliance for self-storage facilities no i haven't not yet (laughs) no not yet (laughs) it'll be interesting when we do though i'm sure yeah because there's a specific kind of uh template that quite a lot of new development for self-storage use and there's obviously an amount of car parks that need to be used with uh, Mm. thoroughfares and things like that so it's quite interesting yeah there's a lot that goes into the planning and the da approvals on all facilities that until you get into the nuts and bolts of it you'd have no real idea even to you know the slope that's on the verge at the front of the building can't be any more than 12 percent who would have guessed like you'd have no idea that that you can't have a fire exit underneath a cladded area of a high-rise building in case there's a fire and there's things that leak down onto the pavement. Like, <laughs> there's so many determining factors in a DA. So with that 12 degrees gradient of <laughs> the building, so say yeah. it's obviously complying when you first develop it, and then over time the ground moves underneath and it starts to lean. What happens <laughs> then? Does someone get a ruler out and um, you know, <laughs> test it to make sure it's still complying? or? Look, I don't even know if they know how to measure 12 degrees from <laughs> one point to the next, but yeah, interesting question. <laughs> so, mate, when do you think the platform will be rolled out to established buildings? Because I, I could imagine most of the listeners probably more likely to buy an established building than develop a commercial property. 
Yeah, I would say between 12 and 18 months until we could apply it to existing buildings. Perfect, man. So who else will utilize this technology? It's surely not just investors and developers. No, it's not at all. There's about 13 third parties who can access the software from the regulator, other government departments, insurance companies, real estate agents, the consumer, particularly lenders, I guess. Lenders provide the money required to continue the development. And if there's major delays, then the cash flow stops. So then the development's at risk, basically, of not being completed. So all of those sort of things right along the way, we can provide that assurance to lenders of the progress on the job site, to that everything's hunky-dory, it's all being done as detailed in the contracts. So, yeah, there's a vast amount. Facility managers, for example, they're given so much detail about the products and assets that have been installed in the building. They have a full maintenance schedule for every possible product in the construction of that development. So they know exactly when or who to call. If the lift breaks down, they know who to call, that it's under warranty, when it was installed, all of those things. They've got the commissioning, they've got access to the lot. So And it takes them literally minutes to obtain the information rather than searching through months and contacting 30 people to try to get access to it. I could imagine this is going to make it a lot easier to identify your items and assets for your depreciation schedule as well. Yeah, we'd provide asset registers for the commercial space, common areas, as well as for the units themselves. So for valuation purposes, it's perfect. Currently, that occurs when the buildings are handed over to strata management or facility management. They have to go out and actually get somebody to come in and partake in an asset register assessment. And so much that they miss because it's hidden, like pumps under the lift to pump out the bilge pumps and things like that. There is so much that can be overlooked when putting an asset register together. But if it's formulated during construction, then it's all there. Yeah, so I guess it's only going to be good for an investor's bottom line finding more assets to depreciate. Yeah, for sure. So, mate, if council are using this, do you think that's going to speed up the DA process? No, I don't really feel it would speed that up because the due diligence that council have to go through is epic you know like there's so yeah. much to consider so many changing rules and regulations and boxes to tick so i don't believe it will speed up the da approval but i do believe it'll speed up the certificate of occupancy because the information's there our system provides the builder with reports that they can give to the developer without having to actually populate anything it's automatically downloaded and it's all there. So there's nothing that they have to go and search for and so on. So very efficient manner of handing over a building. Yeah, well, I guess the certificate of occupancy is that's where the money comes from when you can get your tenants in. That's very important. Yeah, for sure. So, mate, talk me through the process so far. So if I'm developing a building, 
do you go out and find me or do I come to you and tell you I'm developing a building or do you track DAs? How does it work? So at the moment, I go to the developer and yes, I track DAs through council and it's a fairly manual process. But in time to come, systems like ours will be mandated and we are working with our connectivity with large construction software platforms now. So we can see that regulators are going to drive the use of compliance management systems on every building. So once a DA is approved, it'll go into a register and they will be required to basically onboard a compliance management system. And so like tracking these DAs, like I've had a fair go at this. It's easy in some states and it's not Mm. easy in other states. How do you go with the different platforms that the different councils use in the different states? Yeah, it's a major hurdle for us because you don't know who to go to and you've just got to sort of weed your way through finding the right people, you know. It is a task in itself. We try to go through, I guess, the industry regulators to find that information out. HIA, MBA, Property Council of Australia, all of where we've got an alliance with all of those different organisations and to try to make that an easier process and filter down to the individual councils. But there's so many DAs, like you've got to put a DA in to put a fence around your caravan, you know. Yeah. There is just the issuance of so many DAs from every council. And what council have you found to be the most difficult or what state? I think New South Wales is more difficult than, say, Queensland. Victoria is similar and the ACT is probably extremely difficult because they've got a lot more control or a lot more regulations to get around than the other states. That's funny you say that because I had a lot of experience searching through council websites in New South Wales. I predominantly look at properties all around New South Wales because mm. I know the planning quite well. I understand it. I can basically read the planning and understand what they're trying to say in the, the crypto that they're trying to, the way that they put it. I've noticed that in technology-wise, New South Wales is quite up-to-date. It's easy to mm. find DAs. It's easier to find properties. It's easier to find regulations and zoning on properties in New South Wales. But then yeah. if you jump over to Queensland, it's a lot more clunky and it's a lot harder to find that kind of stuff online. Yeah, for sure. The technology isn't there yet for them. Yeah. And the Building Commissioner of New South Wales and the Minister for Better Regulation in New South Wales are really proactive in pushing innovation as being the answer to all these problems. So they're very supportive of innovation in New South Wales particularly. And um, I can't give the Building Commission in New South Wales a bigger rap. It's outstanding how much has been developed in the last two years. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the New South Wales property portal and then you compare the Queensland equivalent, it's like night and day. They're so different. Like, and the, yeah. this one's really, really easy to use and really uh, user-friendly. And the other one yeah. is just, my yeah. God, you need to do a two-week <laughs> night course to be able to figure out how to use it. Yeah, I agree. There's an affiliation between states too. So Queensland might be affiliated with South Australia and Western Australia, but the other states are standalones. It's not really an efficient way of doing things. 
I think it can be improved a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, mate, when you're approaching developers to get this information, have you had any pushback from them? Yeah, for us, it's getting attention from them. Like, I guess hitting their radar as being super important to them. In the past, the developers haven't had this sort of pressure put on them to actually, they don't feel like they're obliged to do anything because they're, I guess, engaging the builder, they're engaging the strata managers, and they're the client at the end of the day. So it's been the strata managers and facility managers find it really difficult to have any leverage to get what they need to properly facilitate that asset which is just outstanding because like it's hard to comprehend i mean in the developer's best interest at from the very beginning and it makes things so much easier for them to get along but i guess it's just habit and it's hard to change their ways so we feel with tighter regulation it'll open their eyes and ears up to what we're about I could imagine the honest developer is happy to help and mm. you know be very, very forthcoming with information, but your dodgy, your shonky developers that are planning on taking shortcuts and yeah. doing the wrong thing, they wouldn't want a bar of you. That's correct, 100%. There's a case of a one of the shonky developers on a building site in Sydney worth $35 million when the building commission audited him, basically asked for all of his documentation for the construction they were working off a HIA house contract that ties in everybody that ties in the banks and all sorts of things Mm. to say how could you possibly have this guy working off a house build on this development so it asks a lot of questions but these guys are being weeded out in New South Wales really quickly yeah that's good So, Mike, are you starting to look at taking this technology overseas or is it only Australia so far? Only in Australia so far. I guess people overseas can see our website. We are developing our API or how our system connects to the larger software companies right now, particularly with KPMG. And we believe that API development will be completed over the next six months and the world's our oyster at that point we don't have to increase our size or capacity to scale our growth it happen as a matter of course yeah fair enough and have you had any pushback from each state about this either like i'd imagine not everyone is always wanting to do this kind of thing not so much as pushback i guess it's we get a lot of deflection. <laughs> so we just we think we're under the right person, then he puts us under somebody else and puts us under somebody else and it's go full circle at the end of the day. But we're pretty persistent in how we're lobbying and who we're lobbying. And in terms of an investor, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now for future use, when you're purchasing a building that's already established or developed and you're in the due diligence phase and you're looking at the building in the platform, does it give you a list of where they're complying, where they're not complying, and then potentially like what the associated costs could be to bring this up to code? The short answer is no. Like it's always been a case of compliance has been assumed by the consumer rather than it being expected or being able to prove 
the compliance. So none of our buildings have non-compliance. It's a necessity for each practitioner to reach 100% compliance during construction. So they can't put something out to market that's non-compliant. However, obviously where you stated before with existing buildings, we'll have to develop a score rating system with those and say, well, from the evidence that we've received, we give this a two out of five star or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. During construction at the moment, we identify non-compliance as it occurs. So very, very early on in the piece, then the works can be rectified or remediated instantly, which is ultimately the whole objective. All right, mate. Well, I think this is going to be a really, really good uh, piece of technology, a great platform to give investors even more assurance and lower the risk of purchasing commercial property because purchasing new properties can be risky. So mm. if you anything to do to make sure that it's complying or it's more so complying is definitely a good thing. So yeah. mate, where can listeners go to find out more about your company and uh, your services? You can visit www.contraco.com.au or go to sales at contraco.com.au. Today's guest has been Chris DeVoy. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much been great to be here. Data don't lie. That's right. In this segment, I'm going to share the information and data from CP Data, the newest commercial property platform on the market. So I'm going to share one location, good or bad, and give you a true reflection of what the numbers are saying about that market. All right, so this week's location is Ballarat. Yes, Ballarat in Victoria. So in the retail sector, last month there were seven transactions for retail properties. There's currently 12 for sale and the listed stock on hand is 6.3%. Office, there was absolutely no office sales last month. There's 11 properties for sale currently. That represents 6.4% of the stock on hand. Moving on to industrial, there were nine industrial properties sold last month so pretty good result there there's currently eight for sale and that represents 2.4 percent of the stock on hand okay moving on to the leasing data there were 11 new leases written in the retail sector last month there's currently 51 for lease that represents 26.6% of the listed vacancy rate. So fairly vacant market. Office sector, there was seven new leases written last month, 41 for lease, and the listed stock on hand is 23.8%. In the industrial sector, which is looking pretty good, there was 10 new leases written last month, 16 for lease, and that represents 4.8% of the listed vacancy rate. 
So looking at that data, I already know that I probably want to wait a little while to buy a retail property in this market and also an office property in this market. Industrial is still looking pretty good. There seems to be a low vacancy rate there and a fair few transactions happening. So maybe that market is still worth looking at for industrial properties. All right, let's move on to the employment data. So population when it was last recorded in Ballarat was 72,000. So it'd probably be a little bit higher now. Uh, total jobs in the area is 772. So quite a few jobs in that area, which is really encouraging. That's actually the most jobs recorded last month in that area than in the last 12 months. So good signs. There's 139 high income jobs, that's jobs over 100,000 plus. So it's looking pretty good from a jobs perspective. And that wraps up today's Data Don't Lie segment. The location was Ballarat. And if you would like to check out the data for the location that you're looking at investing in, go to www.commercialpropertydata.com.au there's over 80 plus locations tracked with plenty of data for you to make informed decisions and stop investing in the dark. That's www.commercialpropertydata.com.au. Check out our free memberships today. All right, you know what that music means. That means we've come to the end of the show. Thank you to my guests, Chris DeVoy and Kevin McLeod for the music. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, be obsessed or be average. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production. <laughs>